Hi, I'm Paul Ford, and you're listening to Track Changes, the podcast of Postlight, the digital product studio at 101 Fifth Avenue in New York City. I'm the co-founder of Postlight, and I'm joined by my other co-founder, Rich Ziotti. Hey, everybody. We have somebody really interesting today to talk to, and his name is Bill Smart with how many T's, Rich? Two T's. But before we talk to Bill, we should talk a little bit about what Postlight does. Honestly, sometimes I still find it confusing. Rich, can you clarify for the people at home? Sure. We design and build apps, sites, mobile apps, and platforms that run those apps. We stand it all up, and it always comes out beautiful. That's really, we're really good at it. (laughs) We're biased, but we're very good at it. Beautifully, actually, though. Not just beautiful. Beautifully. Beautifully. There's a little Bay Ridge came out right there. Yeah, it's beautiful. Comes out beautiful. (laughs) So so that's who we are. That completes your advertising portion of the podcast. Until the very end where we like to say a little bit more about ourselves. Yeah. Um, This is a high-stress podcast. I'll tell you why. The person on the other side is an expert and facilitator in public speaking. Yes. Named Bill. Now, you knew Bill. Bill, hi. Hi. How are you? It's great to have you here. Thank you. So you guys have an existing relationship. We are very good friends. And used to work together, right? And we used to work together in that friendship. Actually, it started friends. We met at a Mark Eitzel show. We did. And Wait, what's, who's Mark Eitzel? He's a really good singer-songwriter oh, who's... Yeah barely known but he's great well you guys are just you just like came up you're like hey you seem cool you like mark Eitzel, or were there like three people in the audience it was such a cool setting it was the basement of the knitting factory here yeah. in new york and there was like maybe 20 people and we're talking 2003 maybe yeah this is yeah. way back oh, so yeah. you just in- engaged of course you would actually just i remember this like when it was that small show you'd be like hey how you doing well it was he was such a non-artist that like when you see someone else who actually likes an artist that there's nobody else on earth that's into, yeah. you just connect, right? Yeah. No, so, I totally get that. So you guys yeah. just started chatting, ended up working yeah. together. Yeah, and the thing that really created the bond between us for a while is the fact that we both like the band Low. It's true. Sure. Yeah, yes. and I can't find anybody else <laughs> who I get to get on board with the band Low. Most of the people who... We got to get on that. We really got to get on that. Yeah. Most of the people who've liked Low as long as you have, I know this from Rich, and I, I guess this applies to you too, Bill, are no longer alive. <laughs> like, like, very few people are like, oh, man, I'm going to get really into Low. And then you check in 10 years later, and they're yeah, like, they're that gone. was a great decision for me. <laughs> I really made a lot of healthy de- healthy choices during that time in my life. Yeah. Um, they're great. I just yeah. want to just end it there with Lo- as, far, as far as Low's. Yeah. Then we worked together. Yes. And then you went off. Yeah. And uh, followed your dream? I did, actually. It was the dream. Okay, so... So let's back up. How did you get the dream to become a public speaking coach? Well, it's interesting. And, uh, you know, my my mother was a speech pathologist, which is not what I do at all. But it's so kind of hilarious. There are some similarities. And I would have never in a million years thought that this is what I would have ended up doing. That's crazy. Sure. But you knew the direction you wanted to go. Eventually, yes. Yeah, it was a long and winding road. All right, so well, there's a little there's a little southern accent in there, so let's start there. Where's yes. that from? Yeah, I am from McMinnville, Tennessee. Oof, wow, that came out even stronger than I thought. <laughs> what happens there? Um, you know, uh, McMinnville, they're uh, they are uh, one of the largest. Nur- they call themselves the nursery capital of the South. So if I want a sapling. <laughs> 
or uh, it's a hell of a party yeah. scene at the nursery capital. Some tulips, or, yeah. yeah, just they're okay. Yeah, you know. So there's, you know, I, I think it may have something to do with the um, the richness of the soil or something. There's the lots climate. of trees and shrubs and stuff in the climate. Yeah, very cool. Okay, so, so yeah. but that's not what you did. No, that isn't what I did. So I left there, and uh, I in the eighties. Uh, I left there in the eighties, and I went to um, Middle Tennessee State University to go to school. I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I did know I wanted to be in a band. Okay, and I ended up being in a band in a couple bands in Nashville, Tennessee. In the early 80s. It was well, a total fun, total blast. Can you tell us the names of these bands? Well, the, the first band's name was Modern Emotions. <laughs> I just can't. Can it's you, a wonderful name. Wait, hold on. <laughs> what is a Modern Emotion? Well, it, it's, <laughs> it's really funny. My uh, husband says it should have been Mixed Emotions, d- depending on where I was at the time. But anyway. Um, <laughs> so, but, uh, so... You know, I didn't even come up with the name. The whole thing is that we ended up getting a gig, and we had to call ourselves, call ourselves something, something, and someone else in the band came up with Modern Emotions, and I was like, oh, my God, really? That's what you best you could come up with? There was already <laughs> Modern English, yeah, and there was, I'm sure there was something with emotions in I'm the band. I'm sure. Anyway, but. So this is, the, this is the era of, like, when in Rome... What, so what it's interesting. You? MTV was just starting at that point. Oh, so, so this is earlier very, than very that. beginning. It was 81. Okay, so 81. And so there's more than one band. Yeah, so that, that was the first band. Um, and then the second band was Young Gray Ruins. Wow. And we were very more Joy Division influence, a little bit darker. Our lead singer, uh, actually, his, his father was a preacher, but he, so he was the wild child. Sure. And he was six foot five. What I love about this is, like, in an era of Wikipedia pages, this it doesn't feel like the big deal it must have been. that There were very few Joy Division-influenced people floating around Middle Tennessee at the time. Well, there were a few of us, yes. So there's a little scene. Yeah, there was a little scene. There was actually quite the – it's interesting. There's a, I think – I don't know if someone wrote a book about it, but there's, there was a, a record that came out called The London Side of Nashville. Whoa. <laughs> um, which I was, we were crushed that we weren't on. Um, but there were some local bands. This is uh, a compilation oh, of sorts. Yeah. Compilation. Oh, how much did you just go like those sellouts? Oh, oh how, I know. How much did you want to be on the London <sighs> side of Nashville? I really wanted to be on the London side of Nashville. Okay, really. so there's a little Nashville scene. Yes. And you guys would play out. Yeah, yeah, we would play out. And uh, sort of what ties into, and it, sort of oddly what ties into what I do now is the first time I ever got up on stage in front of an audience, I panicked. I, I was a little worried because we'd only been together for six weeks and we only knew six songs, uh, and we were playing at this gig. It was actually a, it was a Halloween party, but it was there was a lot of people there, right? And how you're what like eighteen nineteen? Yeah, I was eighteen years old. So it's a big yeah. deal. Yeah, it was totally yeah. a big deal. Yeah. And um, so I was a little concerned about remembering my lyrics, so I had written them all out in, on a three in notebook paper uh, in a three ring binder, and I had that at the foot of the stage so I could refer to if I needed to. Mm-hmm. And the sound check went great, and then we came back. To play, there, you know, we hit the stage, and I looked down, and also it was fog, oh. because someone had put dry ice out on the stage <laughs> after the sound check, and that, I couldn't see anything. That's the the gothest story I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. Like, that is, if I had a Tumblr blog called just goth problems that would be number post number seventeen. <laughs> Let me tell you, it was so I freaked out, and I didn't, and I couldn't you know so the band kept playing the same thing over and over and over right you, you keep playing that they're, they're all going oh, come on bill let's go whenever you're ready to remember those lyrics 
And actually, my name was Cheek at the time. That's my middle name. Never call me Cheek. Do we spell it E-E-K? Yes. Okay. Uh, so they're like, come on, Cheek. Anyway, so a friend of mine said, look, if you ever forget your lyrics, sing numbers and letters. That's great advice. So that's what I did. I sang numbers and letters, and I just turned beet red, and I was totally embarrassed. I thought it was the most horrible thing ever. I ran off stage, ran out of my car, and burst into tears. I was completely freaked out and humiliated. This, oh, was, not, no. this was not your rock and roll fantasy. No, it no. was no. not. Like that, this Ian was Curtis not how fantasy. I pictured it, right? Okay. But, um, you know, uh, 10 minutes later, there's a tap on the window, right? And I roll it down, and one of the other band members said, where you been? We're looking for all over for you. Yeah, you, ready for, you ready for the second set? Yeah, pa- party's still going on, Bill. I was like, second set? That's I'm not a, going back out there. That's he, an incredibly supportive band member. He probably knew the state you were in and he's like, let's keep going. He also didn't have a vocalist. <laughs> right. Well, they were like, they were like, we're ready to go. Like, are you ready? Like, right. it was the pressure was on because right. well, you can if you don't want to go, then you can tell the whole band that you're going to quit. But let's go, you know. So I, right. so basically, I went out, back out there, but this time I I held my lyrics in my hand. And we killed it. It was awesome. And like two weeks later, I was in a record store, and somebody came up and said, "Are you in that band, Modern Emotions? Y'all were great." And I'm like, "Wow, thanks. This isn't fitting together for me." Oh, this right? is so great. This is we well, yeah, got. I mean, this is the era like there of uh, REM coming out yes. of Georgia. Yes, yeah. that's true. Like, REM came through. I saw them a bunch of times. Uh, Ooh, little know, tiny baby REM then. Yeah. Yeah, and I cool. opened. I we. Modern Emotions opened up for uh, Michael Stipe's sister's band, OOK. Wow. That's at, close, man. I know. It's very wow, close. Proximity. Well, we, opened up, we opened up for the gun club once, Whoa. if that means anything. It does. It does. We're in deep now. Anyway, yeah. uh, but the reason I tell that story is that um, I really did have that panic moment in front of audiences, which is what most of the people that I work with have that same, you know, that just gut-wrenching experience where you're in front of people and you panic. And it's just a terrible experience. You never, ever want to repeat it again. And a lot of people just refer back to that, and they think that's what it's like when you get in front of people. So I work with people to help them understand that it does not have to be like that. And uh, and they have them techniques and ways, that strategies they can use so that they can get past that and be present when they're in front of a group. So you go in... A, a company calls you, an individual calls you, but let, let's say a company calls you. Yep. And they say, Bill, we have uh, – who who needs help right. in, in your world normally? Um, it's a variety of people. So, you know, I'll have a company uh, call me and they say, look, we have people that are going out and speaking at conferences – but they're really not prepared, and we want to prepare them. So I go in, and I, I work with individuals and groups. So I'll have a group of like eight, and uh, I'll work with them to give them some basic tips and strategies, right? Here are some things like the three things I tell everybody that will make you a better speaker right now. You'll be better than most people. First is speak up. Okay. Second is slow down. Okay. <laughs> the third is make eye contact. Hmm. If you do those okay. three things, so you're going to be better than most people. Let's dive in. Speak up. Raise the volume. Yeah, of yeah. Because most people aren't comfortable when they raise their voice. They they equate that with yelling mm. or with anger. Right. And the reality is, if you're leading a group, right, you just got to raise your voice a little bit, right. Right. And it, it's people are uncomfortable with that. They are also uncomfortable. They feel like, oh my god, I'm being, you know the blowhard jerk, right? And I'm like, no, you actually want to make it easy for people to hear you. Rich, you've never had a problem with that. 
I've kind of nailed number one to the point of like, could you pipe down a little bit? <laughs> yeah. So, so okay. No fear of being a blowhard. Just get in there. Okay. Yeah. Just so, get okay. in there. Speak up. Just use. And you know, one uh, great way to check it is if you just get somebody else to stand at the back of the room and say, "Is this too loud? Am I speaking too loud?" And they will tell you if you're too loud. Okay. Or not. Sure. Right. Okay, slow down. Slow down, right? So you've got the fight or flight response. You're standing in front of people. They're all staring at you, right? And naturally, you're going to speed up, right? Because your heart rate goes right. up. You've got the fight or flight response. So typically what happens is people just want to get it out what they have to say get it as over fast with. as they can so yeah. they can go sit down and sure. relax. Sure. So, But you have to understand you are the subject matter expert. You know this stuff. And it's interesting, people telling their name and their company name, oftentimes they blast through that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wait, slow down. It's a pretty important part. It's really important. (laughs) But people, they they know it, and they assume everyone else knows it. So it's really slowing down. Mm -hmm. And the big one is using the power of the pause. Mm -hmm. It freaks people out, and it makes sense to pause and not say anything when you're in front of a group mm-hmm. for a second or two because you're like, oh, shit, there's silence. I, I should be speaking the whole time. But the reality is people need time to digest what you've said. Mm-hmm. And they need a break every once in a while from your voice. That's sure. what creates a little bit of anticipation. Yes, uh, it does. I like to do it. One of the things I, I do a fair amount of public speaking, and I've noticed that I'm much happier if I give myself about 10 seconds in front of the talk, yeah. don't say a thing. Just like let my name be up there. Just kind of kind of putter around just for a few seconds. Turn my head a little bit and just let the audience get used to me. And then I, when, I, when I launch in, I'm at a regular tempo. Yeah. But it's, if you get up there and you're just like, hi, it's just you're, you're, you're off to the races. Yeah, right. That's not what they want. They want you to kind of just sort of be there with them. Yeah, and a lot of that has to do with breathing too. So as I, as I've studied acting for years. I was an actor for a while, and part of that was what happens with your breath, right? right. So you know, if when you're in front of people, you start to breathe in a shallow way, and you hold your breath. Right? Boy, do you? And, and so the heart rate's up. You're holding your breath, and then then things just sort of decline from there. So it's. It's really breathing is a big part of that. You right? can really I've, – I've gotten in trouble that way. Not so much uh, – I was on the radio, and I, I, when I would do radio um, commentaries, I would literally be gasping. Like I'd be on my knees in front of the microphone because I couldn't, I couldn't breathe, and I could hear the vo- – that actually was really bad because I had them in my headphones, so I could hear the breath. Right. So it would yeah. be like – and then I did a <gasps> – and then I'd freak the hell out. I was like, <laughs> oh, oh my God, boy. that's all they could hear. And then I'd be holding my breath to kind of avoid the gasping. And <laughs> then, and then like, vicious cycle. Yeah, you know, minutes would go by and I'd just be <gasps> trying to breathe off the mic. So you can get in these little loops yeah. of very like nervous, upset behavior. What are people so scared of, do you think? Um, well, it's interesting. Um, Laura Hogan, who I a- interviewed, she has a great book. We uh, had her book. on. She's yeah. great. Oh my God. Um, Demystifying Public Speaking. And right. I love what she says, which is. Uh, when you think about why are you nervous, you really think it it's because you care, right? It's because you really want, you care about what you're talking about and you want to do well. Right. right. A lot of people think, I'm freaked out because I'm shitty at this, right? So it just if you shift it and think, uh, you know, I'm nervous because I care and I want to do well, then that that comes from a place where you can actually go somewhere with that in a positive way. You know, I've noticed is is people get very worried. This happens a lot with writing and public speaking too. They get very worried about letting their community down. They're very aware that they're going to get up and represent all the CSS developers or all the like, or their company or whatever. And 
it's a very specific kind of imposter syndrome, right? Where it's like, oh God, like I, I forgot to say these five things that are like the number five, like the big five things that everybody needs to acknowledge. And the reality is like, the audience tends to be pretty well-intentioned and that one nudgy person is going to probably say something on Twitter and you can't win with them anyway. Right. But that, that sense of like, am I letting them down? Well, this is another motto I have is, uh, is similar is be prepared, not perfect. Like do right. not expect to be perfect because that's where you start to really put a vice grip around what you're doing. Right. So you just you get up, you be pre- you're prepared and you just got to you got to let it go and understand that you're just one person. You're giving your perspective um, and cut yourself some slack. And that that'll start to decrease the pressure that you put on yourself. So it's interesting. I would say a I don't know, like 75% of what people's problems are when they're speaking in front of groups has to do with psychology. It has to do mm-hmm. with how they feel about themselves, how they feel about their work. So it's interesting how some of it's technical, but some of it is a big piece of it is, you know, understanding what drives you, understanding what is making you nervous. So why, you know, why is this happening? So I try and just demystify as much of this stuff as possible and then kind of when it's interesting because a lot of people will say, oh, I was always told that I should do this. Right. And then like, oh, well, now you see why what drives that behavior. Mm-hmm. Right. Or I was always told I was too loud. So I'm, I'm you know, some people tend to be quiet. I'm like, well, maybe in one situation that was relevant. But right now it's, it's not it's not relevant. So where do you come down on speaker notes? Um, you know, it's. Everybody is different, and and that's another part of the work that I do is I have some tips and strategies and tricks, but I I don't really have, like, this mold that people need to fit into that makes them a good speaker. Everybody brings their own unique stuff to, you know, qualities to the party. Um, So it really depends on the person. Usually what I advise is you know the gist of what it is you're going to say, and you're able to talk about that. So a slide comes up and you can speak to that slide um, and trying to avoid memorizing things word for word because that's when you can trip up and you can, oh my God, I forgot that one word and I didn't get it right. Um, so I encourage people to, you know, work with their notes, also rehearsing with your notes. A lot of people will make notes and then they won't rehearse with them. See, you're implying a lot of rehearsal here too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. That's I know. how much... How, mu- how much, this I think in, in almost like concrete, how much should people rehearse before they get up? You know, it also depends on the situation, right? And how because everybody is limited with the amount of time that they have. Right. Right, yeah. So, I mean, if you're doing a TED Talk, I would, I would spend a, a lot of time being prepared, knowing it backwards and forwards, so that if someone has a gun, you feel as if someone has a gun to your head, you can go through that. I mean, the TED know. Talk is a theater piece. Yeah, Just that, that, like, totally non-theater is. people give, right? Yeah. So if I have a week, I got to yeah. give a talk. I know that like I have to talk to my team. Let's yeah. say. Like, not, we don't have to go on stage just yep. yet. I have to talk about the, the Q3 goals. Yeah. I've been told that like I need to, to present it, you know, the, the top 10 things we're going to do, and I got a week to prepare it. And part of that is us have to figure out what those goals are. Yeah. I'm going to be sharing them with my upper management and so on. Like, what, what do I do? Where do I start? I'm, I'm very nervous about this talk. Yeah. So the first thing is is figure out how much time you have to to talk 
how much time does your audience have? Okay. Right? In other words, how much detail do you need to go into with these people? I mean, it's an hour at least with this team. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So first define that, right? A- and part of it also, too, is a lot of times we feel like we need to give more information than we actually need to really actually give to people, particularly okay. when we're speaking to them. You can give people the, an overview or you can kind of give them, here's where we're headed, and you could send them information to read that's more detailed. But I would say in that situation, first thing is what I do is I actually speak it out loud. Okay. I just, or I have a few notes, like here's the basic points that we want to go over. And then I speak through it out loud and see what it sounds like. Right. And you can also have someone else in the room to just kind of do a run through out loud of what it sounds like that a lot of people make the mistake of, um, there's this translation between what's in in your head to language, right? So you may write something out in a very writerly way, but when you speak it, it doesn't sound like someone actually speaking. Sure. Um, so there's that translation from the brain to language that a lot of people skip, and then they're in front of people just they go off on tangents and they kind of are not clear. So it's a little bit different for everybody. So some of the time you need to spend is just sitting, figuring out what do I got to say to these people? What is important? Who is this audience? What do they care about? How, how can I speak to that? Um, you come up with the basic points you want to speak about. And then what I would do is find a room or somewhere where you can just go through it out loud. Speak mm-hmm. through it out loud and time it and see how long it is, see what it sounds like. Also, recording it is helpful to listen to that, listen back to it. You know, so it, it, it varies depending on the importance of the talk and how much time you have. But if you can at least, no matter what, speak through what you're going to say out loud at least one time, hopefully more times, it's going to be better when you get in front of the group, particularly if you're nervous, mm-hmm. because you will have had a run through. You will have kind of fleshed it out and gotten a sense of what this what this sounds like. Do you find yourself giving a lot of feedback on content when, when I do? Oh, okay. It's so funny because when I started out, like I have a background as an actor, and a lot of it, a lot of my coaching was around the actual delivery, and it didn't take long wor- in working with people when I re- before I realized that um, you can have all the tricks around delivery, but if your content isn't clear and doesn't make sense, it's not going to get you very far. What if it's boring? Uh, you have to figure out who your audience is and what they care about and how can you make it interesting to them? So what are the stakes for them? So anytime there's the, the question of if this is boring, okay, so what is it, what's the ultimate end goal for whatever it is that you're talking to them about? I mean, sometimes people are just fundamentally boring. It's not fair to ask Bill to fix that. No, it that. is. No, I kind of. It's an interesting I mean, question because I think you've uh, done workshops where you're you, you see the personality there that's in front of you, yeah. and it's clearly a long road, right? I mean, the, do you it, sometimes give it that can advice? be. I mean, but what's interesting is that it's it's not so much that they're boring. It's just a lot of times that they have very low energy. Right. And and they're very introverted and they have so they kind of come across like this. This is really exciting for them. Right. And a lot of times they have no idea that that's how they come across. So one of the things I do in my workshops is we video people and I know people just cringe when you hear that. But what's interesting is that I will give them some tips to, hey, just uh, try using a little bit more volume. Right. Let's just see what happens. Little tricks. And when they use more volume. Right. All of a sudden things change. And when they watch the video, like, wow, that actually really does make a big difference. And Mm. it's one of the fundamental things. Speak up, slow down, make eye contact that really can make a big difference with people. Yeah. Um, And, you know, so 
they will then see, oh, I see how different that can be. And depending mm-hmm. on what their need is, and again, if they're managing people and they need to inspire people or get them to do something, then they have to look at how is it that they're coming across to people, right? It's just – it's really a set of behaviors, so sometimes that uh, if someone comes across as either bored or boring, it's just it also comes across like they're disinterested. Right? Sure. So I work with people that will be working with clients, right? How can you sure. be more engaged when you're right. with a client? They right? look like they don't care. Right. So, right. you know, so a lot of so this stuff feeds into that as well. So you, at some level you start to see the symptoms of other larger issues that people are going to face in their careers. Like – because communication skills, especially in management, are just utterly core. Like, mm-hmm. you can never get good enough. Right? And, it's, right. and it's all about really being present in the room with somebody, right? And, and so you're tracking. It's not just about what you're saying, but it's also how is the other person receiving what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really understanding. And, you know, a lot of times when we're in work environments – we're just trying to solve a problem. So someone comes to us and we're like, uh, here's the answer to that problem. Well, a lot of times, you know, it's important to think about how can you listen to build a relationship with somebody, right? Mm-hmm. And they're different. It's not always coming up immediately with solving a problem. It's actually being present with them, listening to them. Um, so it's interesting because public speaking, yeah, it, it ties into the larger picture of communication right so that's what i'm finding with this work it's not just when you're uh, behind a podium in front of people it's really applicable anytime you're talking to anybody and just being aware how do you come across right if you come across as very low energy and really disinterested it's going to be really tough for you as a manager because people are going to be thinking that they're going to be reading into that and thinking that you aren't happy with their behavior or they're or you aren't happy with their their performance hmm. You talk about eye contact. Yeah. I'm guessing you don't like reading. Uh, some people, they bring up the script. Right, yeah. And they're good at, like, doing the quick eye contact and back to the paper thing. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to – I mean, for me, I, I go up with bullets almost intentionally forcing myself to be a little conversational. I mean, where where – and that's, yeah. that's hard for some people. I've it is seen very people hard for try people. to do it. And this, this is kind of where the practice part comes in. And it's weird because a lot of people think, um, you know, it's you wouldn't think you would need to rehearse to become impromptu. But that's where that translating what's in your brain to language thing. Because a lot of times you're like, oh, I have some notes here. But until you actually stand up and try and speak based on those notes, you're, you're you know, you're going you're gonna to have a, a challenging time. Okay. But so but so back to if people use notes. So right. So again, there's no right or wrong yes or no way to do this stuff, right? If some I've, someone can be very compelling if they are reading their speech, right? Um but there are some techniques that they can use to be more compelling if mm. they if they need in, Right. In, Sometimes in the, the content that. carries itself. It's just so good that even if they read, people are captivated. And there's some tricks you can use, like, you know, uh, when you're reading, which is the slowing down and taking pauses is part of this. But a lot of people, what they do, um, this is a technique that's in um, Presentation Secrets of Steve Jobs by Carmine Gallo. And so there's a technique where – I think it's in that book. Anyway, it's a technique where you look at the first part of the sentence. You just – you don't say anything. You look at it, kind of memorize that first part. You, you look at the audience, you speak that first part, and then you look down for the middle of the sentence, right? And then you get the end of the sentence and then deliver the end of the sentence with the audience. So it's like your eyes are up at the on them at the beginning of the sentence 
and then you end on them. So it's like you're in, a lot of people kind do of the do the different. The what most people do is they look up at the onset and they look down and read the whole thing, and then they kind of come back up. So sure. it's you know, so that's yeah. a technique that takes a little practice. But have you ever had to slow anyone down? All calm the time. down. All the time. No, I don't mean speed. I mean like they're overthrowing the whole thing. They're just kind of loud and in your face. Oh yeah, and you know that's that's the like, that's dude, the chill. Yeah, that's the do less. <laughs> you don't need to work so hard. <laughs> and a lot of people, d- you know, feel like they need to work really hard. Right. Um, and uh, but it's interesting. I feel like I have more of the case of people with really low energy. That's mm. a that's a, you know low energy and being uncomfortable. Uh, using volume and and vocal variety and hitting different pitches, right? So another thing is that we all have the ability to hit three full octaves of notes, but usually in our daily life and in business life, we're just hitting one or two. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I encourage people to listen to people on radio, TV, and notice that they're hitting different pitches as they're speaking, right? Why? Because it makes it easier to process what they're saying because each word is on a little bit of a different pitch, right? So if they can start to if particularly if they're delivering something that's really technical, right? So you could say, so we could go with A or we could go with B. And, you know, so you're really kind of hitting different pitches. It makes it easier for people to process what you say and it makes it less dull, right? Right. Um, so uh, it's I, contrast. It's yeah, like it's a, contrast. Yeah. It's vocal variety. Uh, an exercise I tell people is if you buy a book you want to read, download the audio book. Read along with that voiceover actor for a page and then turn the audio off and read along on your own, audio record it, and then check your progress. If you do that for like five minutes every day, you'll start to shift the habitual patterns that you've always had. And I worked with someone um, a few weeks ago, and he was telling this amazing, compelling story. But he told the whole story like this, and um, it was just – it was extreme. Right. So it's, <laughs> well, it can feel very false and a little campy when you're going up and down. Yeah, I, it, so it's it, practice it's, first. Yeah. It's practice first, and then what I tell people is like, you know what, just choose one word in the sentence and hit a different pitch on that word. Oh, like interesting. It takes a little bit of practice to do it, but once you kind of get used to it, then the content will deliver where you hit different pitches. So we've been talking a lot about where people struggle. What makes for a really good talk? For me, what makes a really good talk is anytime someone is truly connected to their content, they're passionate about it, and you can see that, and and that can register. Um, And it's interesting because I work with – most of the people I work with like what they do, right? So if you can tap into what is it about what they do that they love, Mm -hmm. and then they can speak about whatever content they're delivering through that – then the audience is psyched about it, right? Because they see that they're they're excited about it. Right, it's contagious. Yeah, right. And and that that's why I say, like I said at the beginning, I, I really want to help people to uh, be as present as possible and to really empower people to find their voice and, and be as real as they can. Like I want them to show up instead okay. of the perfect version of themselves that we all try and put ourselves into some sort of box, like, oh, this would be the perfect version of me. When in actuality, if you just show up with the passion you have for your topic and you connecting with your audience and making eye contact, then that's, that reverberates. It's not just the voice. It's, it's really the presence of the person in the room. So I've rehearsed. I've, you've, you've come along and, and helped me get my content in a better place. I'm speaking with more tonality and I'm doing more sort of I'm I'm 
being a little louder and a little more confident. I'm going up and down. But now I have to go on stage. It's I've got 20 minutes and all of it just went out the window. I just started panicking. What do I do? Breathe. Okay. Number one thing. <gasps> um, so what you do is I want you it's breathe kind of nice, in through your nose to a count of three. Hold for one and breathe out through your mouth to a count of seven. And you got to do the Mississippis here. One Mississippi team. That's then a long breathe. time out coming it is. out of the mouth. It is. So Boy, breathing that's in. Good, for I'm one. feeling good. But what will happen nice. is that actually, and so, so what will happen is that will bring your heart rate down. So that's really what's happening is you're feeling that fight or, fight or flight response and your heart rate is up. And it's also expect that you will be nervous. I tell you, you will, you know, people say, well, I just want to get over the nervous system. Like, well, you may never get over it. It's always probably going to be there. And in some ways, that's not necessarily always a bad thing, right? Um, but it's breathing mm-hmm. to help calm that. Another thing that can help is if you find yourself really freaking out is think about physically connecting to the floor, like saying, I feel my feet connected to the floor. Mm-hmm. I feel my feet grounded on the floor. And that will take your mind off from going spiraling out into panic mode to something physical in the room, something physical that you can feel. So the breathing can help and focusing on the physical can also bring it back and make you more present. Right? Watch something funny. Find something to make you laugh. Light. Like, yeah, find some dumb video or something that would make you laugh. We'll, because, to, sh- we'll have to share it yeah. when we post it. I have this yeah. video I like to watch, which is um, Tom Hanks in the movie Punchline, where he plays a, a stand-up comedian, and he just dies on stage for like five minutes, and it's the most grisly, horrible thing. <laughs> like, it's unbearable to watch. Uh-huh. And I find before public speaking, it's just very therapeutic. Because <laughs> you're like, well, you can't script that bad. Right. Exactly. Uh, one of the things I've noticed, too, is that as time goes on, the nerves are always there, but you start to get to the point where they, you manage them a day or two or a week or two ahead of the talk. You're like, you, you pre-panic. Right. And then by the time the talk shows up, you're like, oh, okay, I, you know, I already had my freak out. Right. Right. So I, I gave a talk not too long ago, and I, the panic came about four days early. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I was on stage, someone was like, are you nervous? I'm like, nah, it's just 20 minutes. I'll be all right. Yeah. But yeah. it, it, you never get away from it. Yeah. You can't escape that sense of like, I'm going to go in front of a group of people and tell them something. Right, right. And you just have to think, you know, part of it is think back. If you can, think, why do I love what I do? And what is it that's going to be helpful for this audience? Like, what is it that I have to share with them that's awesome? And, and you like this, I'm so psyched about this thing. This is the thing. This is going to help you in this way. That's so right. it, a lot of times that can shift your perspective from yourself and how am I doing to I can't wait to tell you this thing. It's like I, I visualize it as like an arrow going out to the audience. Like, this is amazing. I, so here's the deal. And I'm going to tell you this because this is going to help you in some way. And that's my focus. My focus isn't on me. It's not about me. It's actually about you and how I can help you or make things better in some way. So count of three through the nose. Hold one, seven out. Yes. All right. I'm Mississippi's. Gonna, I'm going to do five out. So I tried the seven. I almost fainted. <laughs> Don't fix this, Seattle. All right. Sorry. You can, you can three, adjust it for yourself. Three, one, seven. Yeah. Three, one, seven. We well, okay. can do three, one, five. Could okay. work too. Uh, Bill, you've been incredibly generous. No, guys. You, thanks for having me. You this could is fun. Have, I could talk about this stuff all day long. All right. So, so uh, let's say I wanted to hire you to do that. What would I do? Well, you would go to smarttalk.com. That's with three T's. S-M-A-R-T-T. 
T-A-L-K.com. Yes. That's a guts, that URL. That's a strong URL. <laughs> yeah. Very few have three T's in a sequence. Yeah. I've, you know, I tried to buy Smart Talk with two T's, and it's a, it's a, it's a long story. It's a, yeah. You yeah. know what I like about it, though? No hyphen. No, no hyphen. hyphen. Yeah. No. Hyphen might have even been a logical choice in there, but no, you knew. That Don't put cheapened a, you. Don't put a hyphen <laughs> yeah. in the URL. Don't put a That's hyphen. That's really my in the entirety of this company. The only piece of advice I think I can give you that it truly is permanent and lasting is yeah. never use a hyphen. In oh, the URL. it's a good thing. We've shared six-page strategic documents about why you shouldn't put a hyphen. Really? Just don't do it. Okay, yeah. that's no, good to know. Well, it's a hard stuff. thing to find and hit on the keyboard and that part of it. That's eh, it. It just looks it's, it looks cheap. It does. It's also really rough on, on mobile. Oh, mm. right. Yeah. Empathize with your mobile users. Uh, yeah. Yes. See? Um, What's in it for them? Think about that audience always. All right. So I go to that website. Yes. And I, is there a form for me to fill out or should yeah, I email you? So or? there's description of what my offerings are, okay. uh, my workshops and my seminars. And I go into companies and, you know, I can lead a workshop uh, for small groups. And I also do... Lunch and learns for larger, um, like for hundreds of people. So, okay. So yeah. is this like, uh, how long does an engagement go? Um, so I have half-day workshops. I have full-day workshops. And I have, um, you know, hour. I have an hour lunch and learn. It could be 90 minutes. It could be two hours. So it's kind of flexible. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And do you travel a lot for the job? I have been traveling quite a bit. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But so a lot of my work is in New York, but I, I do travel. Okay. Thank you for coming on our podcast. Thanks, guys, for having me. It's a total pleasure. Rich, I think everyone who's listening should take a breath in through their nose, count to three, hold that breath, and exhale to the count of seven. Ready? One, two, three. Exhale. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You inhaled after six. I saw you. I'm the coach. Dude, it's hard it's to hard. do it and coach it at the it's same really time. It's really hard. You can't, you can't the count. Same. The counting is throwing them off. <laughs> All, All right. right. Anyway, there there you go. Um, so we're very grateful to Bill Smart of Smart Talk, S-M-A-R-T-T-T-A-L-K, uh, dot com, coming in and giving us some helpful speech tips. Hopefully that will make for a better podcast in the future. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Just, I'm going to go breathe for a while and just sort of get my head straight. This has been Track Changes, the podcast of Postlight, a digital product studio at 101 Fifth Avenue in New York City. Reach out. We love when people email us. Hello at postlight.com. Hello at postlight.com. Uh, or give us a nice rating on iTunes. We're told it makes a difference and we believe it. Uh, my name is Paul Ford. I am the co-founder of Postlight. I'm Rich Ziotti, the other co-founder of Postlight. Everybody have a good week. Bye. Bye. Bye.